What's going on, everybody? On this episode of Franchise Tag, I was joined by special guest Nick Dayas, host of the Veterans Minimum Podcast. I've been a fan of his and a fan of his show for a very long time now, so out of the blue, I decided to hit him up and see if he wanted to chop it up a little bit. He said yes, and the topic we decided to talk about was the Giants and the Jets and just how terrible they've been for a very long time now and how terrible they are currently. Um, as we speak, both New York NFL teams do not have a win. Um, Giants pending this Sunday versus the Rams. Meanwhile, the Jets, this was recorded prior um, to the Jets and Broncos Thursday night game, which ended in the loss to the Jets. They're currently 0-4, so just to paint the picture of just how terrible they are, there you have it. Um, and yeah, it was very awesome talking to Nick. Very, very cool dude. I appreciate him taking the time to come on the show. Um, so Nick, thank you for that. Um, also, I wanted to make this little rundown in the beginning to let you guys know where you can follow him on social media, because at the very end of the episode, I forgot to mention where people can find him, so I'm going to be doing that right now. If you want to follow his page on Twitter and Instagram, it's at The Lamp Show. If you want to follow the show's page, again, Veterans Minimum Podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Again, very, very cool show. It's at Veterans Minimum on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, I've been a fan of his show for a long time. I mentioned it literally two seconds ago. And if you want to know what kind of stuff he's been posting recently, um, he's posted a 2020 NBA Finals preview. Um, he went over week three recently for the NFL. He did a podcast um, with the Narcos guys, which the TV show was inspired by, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena. Very, very cool stuff. Um, and then he also did, which is one of my favorites right now because I mentioned it on the show as well, is he did an interview um, with Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle Dontari Poe. So if you want to check out content like that, make sure to check out his page. Again, I'll leave everything in the description. And other than that, enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Franchise Tag. I'd like to welcome on a guest. Uh, I want to call him the GOAT, but we usually call him the Lamb. His name is Nick Dayas. He is the host of Veterans Minimum. I've been a big fan of the podcast for a very long time. Dude, I appreciate you coming on, and thanks for taking the time. Listen, man, uh, I, I love the intro. Um, not 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 a goat yet. Uh, we're only chasing goats. You know, we want to be up there with, with the people on the Mount Rushmore. But I appreciate it, man. And and uh, our relationship through Twitch, your name has always been uh, um, like uh, noticeable, I guess. Like you're someone who I've been able to build a sort of a relationship. I know it's weird to say because of like the Internet and whatnot, but it's always been I've seen that name and I'm like, you know, put a put a name to the username kind of thing if that makes sense yeah i've been involved in there but i've been a fan of you for a while like ever since the original crew um before you kind of went solo and i remember when you originally took over the show i'm like he's gonna kill it and you still are doing such a great job and you just had dontari poe on the show dude that was crazy man listen there's not a lot of things that uh get me stimulated more than when people compliment me on my craft so <laughs> number one thank you but yeah, man, you know, uh, the show used to be completely different and just life got in the way for a lot of people. You know, people want to have a kid. People got married. People have other business ventures. And then others were just like, yeah, I kind of just don't want to do it anymore. Um, I've been very, very open about this discussion. And so have my old co-host as well. So I'm not really like going out on a limb saying anything that is like inappropriate, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, man, dude, I've been able to, you know, I, I always feel Eric and if I could give you any bit of advice and I know it feels it feels weird for me to give people advice on this, but uh, I've been I've been podcasting for about five years now. I've done over twelve hundred episodes, uh, probably close to thirteen hundred if I do Patreon exclusives as well. And just being in front of a camera and in front of a mic, I think, number one, it's consistent. Number two, it's, you know, like when you listen to hip hop. 
I don't know if you're a hip hop fan, but yeah. like it's that head nod music, like what I'm doing right now. Right. Well, I like to think of it as like interesting is in podcasting. Interesting is head nod music. Like I want when people to listen to my stuff, and you know, I kind of I cater to two different audiences. Like, if you want your sports shit and your sports like numbers, you come and get that. But if you also want interesting, fun, and crazy conversations, you get that as well. So. Uh, it's been cool, man. You know, uh, it's it's kind of ex- exceeded my expectations as well as far as what the show is going to be. But, you know, just uh, got to control what you can control, man. And I can control the effort and and the time that I put into it. So I've been uh, very happy with everything. And thank you for the kind words once yeah. again. Yeah, man. I appreciate the, you know, the wisdom that you have. And I'm going to take that with me for sure. But um, let's, let's get right into it. You know, I know we're both Giants fans. You've been a Giants fan for a while. And I know I noticed on the show, and the reason I even hit you up in the first place is because whenever you're on the show, usually you want to talk about everything else. You like to be on bias and stuff like that. And you always drop a little tidbits here and there. And you like to remind your guests that you are a Giants fan. But let's get off that topic here. I want to just shoot the shit straight up about the Giants and Jets, dude. How you feel about these teams? You know, we're in the local area. I grew up 10 minutes away. So I've seen everything from beginning to end you've been to a lot of super bowls you've been to giant super bowls mm-hmm. you've seen it up close so i want to get your opinion how where have these franchises gotten to and where do you really go from here so pick your poison here giants or jets pick one and then we'll kind of go from there oh sh- shit with the giants how much time you got because <laughs> yeah. okay to uh let's open up with the giants okay. um so it's going to sound crazy, Eric, because I've seen two Super Bowls. Um, I've seen them win championships. I've seen them also be a model franchise, a franchise in which they were up there with the New Englands and the Steelers. And I guess you could throw the Kansas Cities and Baltimore's of the world, right? A team that drafted well. They were no nonsense, stability at head coach, stability at quarterback. And top to bottom, the organization was great. Um, But the issues with the New York Giants, and I've been very outspoken about this, go all the way back to 2006. Um, And you're going to say, yo, man, you won two Super Bowls since then. What the? I don't know if I could curse here, but like, what the hell, man? (laughs) What the hell? Like, you're complaining about winning two Super Bowls? Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, and I understand that, but you take a look at the history of first-round picks for the New York Giants, and oddly enough, I have this in my notes because I was able to put together a video about this topic. So the one issue that a lot of a lot of teams have, Eric, is they don't build on their strength because they think their strength is a strength and let's address our weaknesses. Now, what happens in those situations is eventually your strength becomes a weakness. And that's exactly what happened to both of these teams, both the Jets and the Giants. But in particular, the Giants, the Giants during their heyday about a decade ago, what was it? Great defensive lineman, great offensive line. They had all pros all over the field there. But what was happening? Oh, you know what? We have Snee and O'Hara and Soybert and all these guys, McKenzie, David Deal. We have Tuck, Yuminyora, Strahan. We have Pierre Paul. Let's let's 
take a whiff on a linebacker that we haven't had since Lawrence Taylor. Let's draft some corners. Let's get some wide receivers. And then before you know it, the Giants have had three players since 2006, Eric, that have re-signed with the team after their rookie contract, two of which they've traded during that second contract. So, Kiwanuka, whatever, right? He was a defensive lineman. You tried to make him a linebacker. Aaron Ross didn't re-sign a second contract. Kenny Phillips left for the Eagles. Hakeem Nix held out for more money, then was completely flopped. Pierre Paul, they sign him, blows up his hand, gets traded to Tampa Bay a year later. Prince of Mukamara leaves after his rookie contract. David Wilson out the league. I know he had a serious career-ending injury, so you can't really like call that a bust. A guy just got hurt. Justin Pugh off the team before a second contract. Odell Beckham, you trade him after giving him a new contract and paying him about $22 million of that guaranteed money. So basically the Browns in the first year of the half of this contract that he's been with them, Eric, the Giants are paying for it. You also have Eric Flowers, who, please, uh, I can't do this. <laughs> Eli Apple, again, enough. I can't do this. Right. Evan Ingram, can we stay healthy or catch a pass? Saquon Barkley, fantastic player, best running back in football, tears his ACL. Obviously, you didn't see that coming, but we're running back. There's a higher percentage of players getting hurt and suffering injuries like that. It's a very volatile position. It's a position also that has a lot of depth. I mean, you're looking at the landscape of the league right now. Did anyone know who James Robinson was three weeks ago? Now he's a starter on your fantasy team. What confidence? I mean, shit, he was a he was a trade piece in a trade that got me Christian McCaffrey. So let that sit in. I'm working on that right now. Working him in a trade. And this dude, he was the he, he, what was it? What was the stat? It was like he was the first undrafted uh running back to start in a game or a player overall, like to start the first game of the season. Something like that. Yeah, dude. He's he's awesome, right? Camara, third round pick, David Johnson in the past, third round pick. Uh just just looking around the league for every Ezekiel Elliott's and Saquon Barkley's, you also have your Fournettes who's on a different team. Right. You also have guys like uh I mean shit, man. The the list goes on and on of guys who just flop as first round running backs. AD Lacey was out the league after three seasons, pretty Dude, much. I love Saquon. But as each day goes by, and you've said this too, like, how do you not love Saquon? Anyone would love to have Saquon on their team. Like, natural leader, nice guy, could, can't hate the guy. But as each day passes on, you see the, J- the James Robinsons, and then you see, like, how the New England Patriots have worked their organization for the past couple of years, right? Or decade, at least, where running backs come and go, and you see some guys get paid, and it works out for them. But for this organization in particular, and in their current situation, was that the best pick? Now, I'm starting to question it. At the time, I'm like, I love Saquon. And, you know, the way these quarterbacks are panning out now with Darnold and, you know, Rosen, I still kind of believe in Rosen. I know you kind of do too. Um, Lamar Jackson was taken later. I like Josh Allen right now. But it's like, I'm starting, now there's a little bit of a question mark there. It's like, was that the right choice at number two? So I had a, my stance has never changed and it never like veered away from what it originally was. And, it was that Saquon Barkley was going to be a can't-miss prospect at running back. There was no debate about yeah. that. That is not you wanting a quarterback at number two. You wanting Quentin Nelson, who I also wanted, at number two. 
I wanted a combination of this, Eric. I wanted, I wanted Nick Chubb in the second round. Yeah, but you still kind of needed alignment at that point too, you know. So it's weird. Right, right. So my fantasy booking, to use the wrestling term, and, and just fantasizing about a A plus draft for the Giants, it was Darnold Rosen at two or Nelson, and then you get a Nick Chubb in round two because you address so many holes there. You know, there was a report that came out about a year and a half ago during the MVP season for Pat Mahomes that Ben McAdoo was ready to mortgage the farm for Pat Mahomes to trade up and get him. Remember, that was the year that yeah. Evan Ingram was the first round pick for the Giants. He loved him. What was the issue? Giants brass said, oh, you know what? Eli Manning has some more years in him. And look. I get it. They it's killed themselves hard. with that. Killed themselves yeah, with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's hard when you have a guy, you look at a guy like Eli Manning and he's done so, he did everything right for the franchise. You cannot slander Eli Manning. He brought stability to the most important position in all of professional team sports. He was every Sunday, no matter how you felt about him, for, for a decade plus, you did not need to waste high draft capital on a quarterback. To me, and again, everyone interprets things differently. To me, a franchise quarterback is a guy that I could draft, put him there for a decade, and I don't need to waste a first to fourth round pick on a quarterback because it's hard to find one. So when you do, you do what you can to protect him and to take care of him. So I know I've kind of been ranting about the Giants, all the things that have gone wrong. I also think that just because your dad was successful, doesn't mean that you're going to be. And what I mean by that is Wellington Mara passed away a couple years ago. And since then, Eric, it's been really bad for the Giants. The John Mara has taken over the franchise and he's the head honcho there with the Tisch family. And it's, you know, four head coaches in six seasons. Um, a lot of guys who you just knew off the bat were going to be bad decisions. I always like to use this analogy of some people are just better suited to be Robin. And that's not a bad thing. I think like Pat Shermer is a fantastic offensive coordinator. I think they're figuring that out on the other side of the stadium with the Jets. Gase might be a Robin or may not even have a job moving forward. It depends on what happens tomorrow. We'll have to see, but that's kind of what their situation is. But let me throw this in real quick. So, we talked about Eli for a quick second, right? Really thinking about it, though. Like you mentioned, they don't have to waste any picks or anything like that. They know Eli's their guy, at least for however long, how long they have him. They're going to try to milk that as much out as possible. But I think they held on a little too long. And I think McAdoo saw that like real early. And he, was, and he, took, a, he took a shot, and it, it may have cost him a lot uh, by putting Geno Smith in. But I feel like, mm. however this was going to work out, it may have not ended the prettiest for Eli. And I think the Maras, they really tried to make it like a beautiful retirement. It didn't really work out that way, you know? And bringing in Gettleman is still holding on to Eli. And now that's transitioning over into, now we have a new coach who we're going to be with for a little while. I, I still, I'm still not sold on him. I like him. But we'll have to figure that out as time passes by. But if Gettleman is out after this year and things don't go too well, because they may not even end with more than three wins, uh, they're going to have to hold on to Judge <laughs> and they're going to have to hold on to Judge and then hire from within. And they can't get some younger guy, say like a Lewis Riddick or some some other other names. Like, you know what the Browns are doing right now? They started from scratch. They got like an Andrew Barry at GM. They're bringing Stefanski. They're doing some things right, but the Giants aren't in that position now because you're stuck with Judge 
So what are they going to do? They held on to Eli for too long and that costs them. And that's going to make cost us a couple more years because we'll be rebuilding in a rebuild year. Yeah, I think you mentioned that on your stories. You were kind of going off on the Giants. I'm like, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, man, I uh, I try my best to be, and I, I think I do a pretty good job, right? Like uh, I'm very I'm very honest about my expectations for my teams. Uh, I'm not gonna pick them to win divisions just because they're my teams, and that's why I think people really trust my opinion when it comes to the Giants because of that. Like I've sort of built a reputation from what I've heard from people that, like, yo, you're very everything you say about your team is like accurate. It's like yeah, because I watch them not with goggles on like i'm not fanboying out um you know i didn't even get to finish my rant on the first round picks eric and thank god that we kind of stopped because deandre baker another first round pick facing felony gun charges like it's been it's been very very bad for every one good decision that gettleman makes it's it's five bad ones Love Blake Martinez, who I was very critical of. Yeah, me too, because I remember every Packer fan was like, good luck with him. He can't cover yeah, a tight yeah. end to save his life. And here he is. He's bowling out for a team that's oh. not going to get more than two wins. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting closer and closer to the number of wins that I think they're going to have. And I think they're going to have one win. Just I, I think moving forward, this is a 1-15 and 15 team since 2017. No team in the NFL, Eric, has lost more games than the New York football giants. And that accounts for an O and 16 Browns. season from the Browns. Think about that, dude. Think about that. You went one full season where you didn't win a game and that team still has more wins than you do since that time. That is a joke. That is pathetic. And sadly enough, dude, that's going to continue. And they just got their first winning record in however long the Browns. I remember seeing that, but Really think about it though. The John, why do we fall into this trap every year? Like when we do analysis and stuff like that. I heard it on your podcast too before the season started. It's like Giants. I think could go six and ten. Why do we do this to ourselves? Like we'd be lucky to get a six and ten. And now we're here. Like first two games, we're kind of like, all right, it was down to the wire that second game. Could have gotten a win. Whatever. The first game is against a Steelers defense. They're amazing. They're they're going to get out coached. It's a brand new coach in there. And then the the third game comes. A game you're. Pro- this is one of the games. You're probably supposed to win, like like almost a guaranteed win. Like, and there's no guaranteed wins in the NFL. But if all those, like, when are you ever gonna find a team that's that banged up and you get demolished like that? Now all our mindsets are that may win one game, may win two if they're lucky. Why do we do that? Well, I think the the most alarming thing is they've gotten worse every single game, and their matchup has been better every single game. So. I thought, Eric, they were impressive against Pittsburgh, man. Maybe my bar was very low, but I thought with all those weapons and, yeah, Ben started to carve them up a little bit. But, you know, it was a very, very close and competitive game, and there was a lot of drop passes there on the offense. And you're saying to yourself, like, all right, man, look, maybe no training camp. Maybe the guys aren't really – there's not much uh, team chemistry around. You know, the the big talking point that I had that up until that week two game, Daniel Jones never had Ingram, Slayton, Shepard, Tate, and Barkley on the field at the same time. And then everything went downhill from there. Best player yeah. gets hurt, and yeah, forget about and, it. But you're looking at that those opening three games, and I kind of had them sitting at one and two after three weeks. But the thing that was very alarming is information changes the narrative, is what I like to say. Yeah, and that all changes when you have 
$128 million missing from the San Francisco team. Dude, they threw out a JV team. Yep. And nearly 40 points, like a point and, shy. And they, the Giants did not look competitive in that game at all. It was close initially, but then it just like, that's, that's the most alarming thing, Eric, that every week they've gotten worse and worse and worse. And it's also the same flaw, flaw, flaw. Daniel Jones doesn't protect the football. The offensive line has one good drive and then has seven bad ones. Uh, bad penalties, bad drops, bad decisions. Like, dude, I judged, I judged Judge opening drive of the season against the Steelers. You're on their 45-yard line, fourth and one, you punt. Like, I know. I'm being very critical, but I'm also someone that I would fire dudes at halftime for like bad drops. Like DeAndre Swift, that drop he had against the Bears, I would have cut him before yeah. he came back to the huddle. I'd be like, <laughs> yo, you're done, bro. I don't care. I don't care that I spent the second round pick on you. Like you're out. I can't we're, be. We're, like, we got AP over here. We, we got him. We don't, we don't need you. <laughs> None of that, bro. None of that. Like I, I'd be the worst, best GM ever. Like you make one bad decision, you're out for me. So. When you're looking at Joe Judge there, it's like, dude, set the tone for your team, man. You're a seven-point underdog. You're at home. Monday night football, like, first drive. Why not go for it there? You know, set the tone for your team. Be like, yo, you know what? I trust our offense. I trust our guys. Let's go out there and make a play. So, with the Giants, long story short, so we can start talking about the Jets. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of the same issues over the years. It's not going to get any better. And... The the most upsetting thing, dude, the, the, the thing that pains me the most and why I was so devastated about the Barkley injury was we're going to waste his best years. Um, I mean, we've wasted his best years, right? Like yeah. he got hurt both seasons, but also the team was not like, oh, yo, you know, we have a legitimate chance to be a contender kind of thing. So that's the most devastating thing. But listen, you know, all it all it takes, dude, is one. You find that one right guy, man. You find like who would have thought Kansas City would be in the position they're in now? Yeah, but they knew who their guy was way before that. And I think they even got lucky, too. They're like, I'm surprised this dude wasn't taken earlier. But they knew I think they already knew going in like that's our dude. Well, yes, yes, absolutely. But also to push back a little bit. The consensus on Mahomes was that he was a very raw project. He was a guy who he had upside, not of this level. Like I already think he's the GOAT. I think he's the best quarterback of all time. Wait, and wait, I know people before you move on real quick, dude, that Chiefs Ravens game, if the Ravens, which are were they what's their record twenty one and one against the rest of the league, can't beat the Chiefs, who's gonna beat them for the next ten yeah. years? Seriously. Yeah. Well, the, the the issue that I have with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson is that I think he's a top five quarterback when he's playing with a lead. If he falls down ten, it's a wrap. Uh, he's he's not a top fifteen quarterback. He he just can't. And I don't know if it's a function of his offense being what it is and the pieces not being able to come back from behind. But man, I'm watching that game with my buddies, and I think the score was thirteen three, fourteen three around there. Well, Butker missed an extra point, so it was like thirteen three. I just remember just telling the the guys, I was like, yo, it's a wrap. They're not coming back. No, so like, no way. Of, I was like, dude, the way their offense is built, they want to do the play action RPO and have him scrambling around and whatnot. 
But when it comes to him throwing from behind, like it's not it's happening. Quiet, yeah. So before we move on, and you kind of transitioned it pretty well, it's like all you need to find is the right guy, especially in New York. So both these teams are will probably be in line to be in a top spot to get a quarterback. And you hear names like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Do you think if they're in that position, they go for a quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Really? And Even I if think, the Mares love Jones. Yeah, dude. You look at what the Cardinals did. I think you have your example right there. The Cardinals took Rosen top 10. And then the year after, you're like, yo, I don't care. I'm going to take Kyler Murray because I like Kyler Murray. And now he's an MVP candidate. I know last week they lost, but. You know, he's a he's the sixth favorite right now. I wish we can get into Judge's head a little bit. I know it's way too early, but when Kingsbury first came on, you already knew. People are pulling up old interviews, how he's saying he was in love with Kyler Murray, and, and like if he ever had the opportunity to get him, he would. And that's how you kind of knew beforehand, but we don't know about Judge yet. I'm pretty sure every new guy that comes in wants their own guy, so maybe that is the case. Well, the, the way it works is owner finds GM, GM finds head coach, head coach finds his quarterback. That's the pairing. It always gets fishy, and I want to one day do a, a a case study on this. How does it work out when a new head coach is hired, but the quarterback and GM are already there? How you got to start how from well, scratch? The more I learn about this, it's like I think you got to go from GM down. Don't like yeah. mix and match and puzzle everything in. It's not going to work. Absolutely, unless you have a circumstance like, say, you have. Russell Wilson. And then next year, Pete Carroll's like, yeah, I'm going to retire. Yeah. Obviously, the dude that's going to come in is not going to be like, well, I want my own quarterback. Like, no, you asshole. You're going <laughs> to deal with Russ because there's levels to this. But I'm talking about like, if you have a guy like Sam Darnold, you have a guy like Daniel Jones, you bring in Joe Judge. Maybe Judge is like, yo, this ain't my guy. It's like no now, harm, happened, no foul there. Listen, the full guy without a doubt is going to be Gettleman. There's no way he's going to be back. Oh, yeah, he's out of here. Um, they're probably just going to ride off with him the rest of the year. And so next year you bring in a GM. The GM likes Trevor Lawrence. He don't like Judge. Judge is still under cot. Like, what you see, it gets so ugly. But if they promote from within, I feel like they're going to ride with Jones. That's the only thing, because they're not going to go from the outside. There's no way. Give me any guy that is under the Kansas City Chief umbrella (laughs) when it comes to both coaching and just front office. Would you ever hit up Dorsey? He drafted Mahomes. Dorsey, <laughs> uh, Chris Ballard was a Kansas City disciple. Right. He's over there crushing it for the Colts. You know, I so, think we need to ride that wave. Get a little bit of a younger guy. Yeah, man. Why not get give me give me someone from the scouting department of Kansas City? Bring in B enemy also. I don't know why he wasn't even looked at. We were just like, yep, we'll go with the special teams coach. So, so here's here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing. I. I got how everyone got super passionate about, you know, there's not a lot of black coaches in the league and B enemy is an African-American coach and you want to give him a, a job. What about this dude? And it's, this is just facts. There's six new jobs every year. And maybe B enemy was looking again. I wasn't in his head and I don't know really what the reports were, but maybe it comes down to B enemy being like, number one, I don't like any of the jobs available. Number two, it's pretty dope coaching Pat Mahomes. Yeah. And number three, my stock isn't going to go down because I'm going to coach Pat Mahomes. Yeah, he's chilling. So, like, he's in the best spot, probably. He's in the, yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I get that. And, and, and I do think that there's something with black coaches not being hired to the level of like white coaches. Yeah. That's like, let's not be naive. That's just, that's just a flaw that's been going on for a long time. But the enemy could also just be like, yo, <clears throat> we're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm not calling the place. <laughs> He's not. There's, there's going to be five new coaching jobs available after this season. And he's probably just looking at it like, yo, you know what? Dan Quinn's on the hot seat. I like what they're doing in Atlanta. Uh, I, I love what's ha- I love Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien's on the hot seat. Why not open up and wait for a job like that? Which I think is, I think, I think if, if I had a chance to talk to Eric Bieniemy, I think he would, he would tell me that I'm spot on on that. I think that's, I think honestly, man, like, wouldn't you want to coach Pat Mahomes, dude? For sure. You'd still be a hot commodity the year after. So, I mean, Josh McDaniels has been a thing for like a decade now. Yeah, he hasn't even, he just interviews and just doesn't take the job. Hey, I mean, yeah. He'll sit for a 10 hour interview and not take the job. He's just yeah. chilling. <laughs> but that's, that's going to be the enemy for as long as he's with the Chiefs, dude, because they're going to be a 12 win team. They're going to make deep runs into the playoffs. And his offense is always going to be shattering records because. They got Pat Mahomes. So, dude, I know we're up against the clock here, but I, we, I just want to throw in some Jets in there. How much do you really need to talk about the Jets? They're god-awful. But they'll probably be in a spot that maybe take a quarterback. But in terms of where they're at now, do you get rid of Gase by tomorrow once the game ends? So, I think with Adam Gase, and I was kind of talking about this on my show, just looking at the betting line for this Thursday night football game, and not so much giving out a pick because I don't know when this podcast is going up, but – the idea that the Broncos are a favorite on the road with a backup quarterback is kind of That's weird telling. to me. I mean, yeah, when they were a 10-point dog last week, I think that gave it away for me. It's like, yeah, right. they're, they're, they are this bet. Right, but I just think it was telling that you have a guy making his first start going on the road, short week, against a team in the Jets who they, they have the better quarterback. I don't think Sam Darnold's the problem, but I do think that at this point, he might be damaged goods. I also think that the Jets have done a poor, poor job surrounding him with talent. And you just look at look at the two teams in that division. You have the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills in the offseason traded a draft pick to get Stephon Diggs. Last year, they spent, I think, close to $90 million. A lot of money, on, but you do what you got to do to get, get those guys yeah. in. Beasley and uh, John Brown. John right? Brown. Yeah. Right, right. And... You just you, you drafted Singletary as well. Then you draft another running back in Zach Moss. So it's like, yo, here's the keys to the kingdom. We're also going to surround you with some body parts. We're not just going to give you this dope whip. We're going to put like a new exhaust and put some like 25-inch rims and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to make this look dope. And the Jets have done the complete opposite. I thought the Le'Veon thing was a flop. Yeah, I don't think it was ever going to do well there. It was no shot. Yeah, the he was in a great was, system. He was he wanted the money. He wasn't gonna get it. He's just he just wanted well, to get he, paid. He he got paid, and now he's just like chilling, probably working. He's on like, a yeah, he's like, yeah, I like Gase. Yeah, whatever. Fuck this. You know, <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's so, exactly. Have it, you so. have you ever seen another draft where you know Josh Rose in his situation right now? This could very well happen to Darnold because they're. People are saying like it's Jets against Giants. I really think the Jets have that number one spot locked. If this is the way it's going to go all year, I don't see anything changing. So if they get Trevor Lawrence, are you going to say no? I don't think so. And they got all those first round picks already from Jamal Adams. Why are we going to wait around a little bit? You know, like 
I know he's not the problem. Darnold's not the problem. But have you ever seen him fall into the same spot Rosen would be? And they're both first-round picks in a high quarterback draft where, you know, everyone was looked at like they could potentially be the franchise. Yeah, man, that's a good point. I, I forgot about the draft picks coming in from Seattle for Adams. So you might you might end up with the number one pick if you're the Jets, and you kind of have a lot of leverage on everyone else that's chasing you. If you do like Darnold, if you do like Darnold, then you can get some draft picks for that number one pick. We've seen it in the past. And then you could just then double down and get pieces for Sam Darnold. But I think with both teams, it starts at the top with the ownership because it always starts at the top, especially when you have so many new changes. Like, dude, are you a basketball fan? Yeah. Are you a Knicks fan? Unfortunately, but I, I'm a, a low key. I'm, I'm like a side Blazers fan just because of Lillard. But Lillard. you know, you, you gotta, okay, you gotta yeah, find yeah. a way to enjoy the sport somehow. You know what uh, I mean? Hey, listen, my, <laughs> listen, my guy, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, I always say that I should have been a heat fan for my love for Miami and being down there so many times. Like it was just an easy transition for me just right. to do that. With that being said, I think with, with Darnold and with the Jets and the Giants and to bring the Knicks into this situation is when you have all these changes, head coaches, roster moves, GMs, presidents, and it's still shitty, if you're the owner, it's you. And that's where I think all three of those teams in New York are. All right, man. So I think it's a good place to wrap it up here. I know I kept you on a little longer than we expected, but uh, you know, no problem. Man. I like you know you sp- you spat a lot of bars, and you know I'm here for it. And I'm glad we were able to let loose on all these New York teams for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you for coming on, taking the time. This meant a lot to me for sure because I've looked up to you for a while. So this is kind of surreal for me, honestly. <laughs> Dude, I'm listen. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I'm very regular. I just work really hard. I know you are, but the way I listen to you, it's almost like I, I like that's where I get my sports content from. So it's almost like I'm talking to the dude I listen to whenever he posts every week. So it's like, you know, you got to show respect there for sure. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, man. man. I appreciate that. All right, man. Appreciate it for coming on. Take care, man.